had come into Judah, into Israel, the southern country, Judah, and destroyed it completely. Also, the beautiful temple that was there, it was raised to the ground. They took the people into captivity. Seventy years went by. Then the Medes and the Persians took over, and King Cyrus allowed all those who wanted to return to Jerusalem to do so. Their specific mission, even under instruction from the king, was to rebuild the temple of the Lord. They left under the leadership of the governor Zerubbabel, and there was the high priest Joshua. They had a specific mission. They started digging the foundations, and uh, there was great joy. But then they became discouraged, opposition came in, and the work stopped. It is now another 15 or 16 years later, and weeds had overgrown all those foundations. Nothing had happened. They, they failed in their God-given mission. There was disgrace to them, and it was the disgrace to the name of the Lord. You can read more about this in the book of Ezra, and also, of course, in the book of Haggai, which we will refer to. The case seemed hopeless to them. Now, when Solomon built the most beautiful temple, he had no fewer than 183,300 workers. He had at his disposal at least... 3,750 ton of gold, 10 times more than that in silver and brass and, and iron and wood. And, uh, of course, he had everything at his disposal. They, in turn now, were poverty-stricken. There were only a few. And on top of it, as we read in the book of Haggai, some of them were saying, oh, it's not the time now to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Then came the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah, sent by the Lord to encourage them to do this work of building the, rebuilding the temple. Yes, they were weak and poor, and only a few. But that was not the real problem. They are told here, don't despise the day of small things. Why? Because we serve a great almighty God. And an almighty God can use small things for the glory of his great name. So it became very clear to them. Zerubbabel, Joshua, your problem is not really material and manpower that you lack. But you lack the operation of the Spirit of God. Therefore, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And I quote from Zechariah 4, verse 6. Now, when we read the book of Haggai, we see that God stirred up then the spirit of the leaders, and then the spirit of the people, and they sprang into action. There was new life. We can say there was a revival in that community. The Spirit of God was at work.
and they started working, building with vigor, sometimes with some problems coming their way, but that temple was rebuilt in the space of five years, and the disgrace to the name of the Lord in that respect was removed. Now, last time we shared with you in this program, we spoke of the promise and the many promises God made concerning revival. We also spoke of the prophetic utterances concerning revival in the latter days. There is a desperate need for revival, of course, in the church, and then the fruit of that, the power of that, spills over into a desperately needy country. That's what we need to see happen here. The church must be renewed in its walk with the Lord. There is no other answer but by my spirit, says the Lord. We spoke of the sad state of the church at large, knowing that there are some exceptions, of course, and very wonderful exceptions in our country. The need of many a church is to be salvaged from the ruins of the past. In a sense, the house of God, in certain respects, must be rebuilt. We don't need new doctrine, nor more learning, good as it is. What we must rediscover is this powerful truth, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The, says the Lord, hearts of leadership, hearts of the congregation must be stirred up, convinced, convicted, empowered by the Spirit of God. The church must be revived so that God can again do in and through the church as he did in the past when the Holy Spirit came down upon the church. Important to know about revival is that it is that wonderful, glorious happening planned by the Father. But it was paid for by the Son of God. However, revival is being performed or realized by the Holy Spirit. Revival is none other than Jesus glorified and it is for Jesus, for that purpose, that the Holy Spirit was sent to glorify Jesus. So revival is more than just an experience. It is the Lord amongst his people, a living reality. The heavenly life of Christ realized in God's people in a very practical way. There will be fruit on the sacrificial life, death of our Lord Jesus Christ. His victorious heavenly life will again be experienced mightily by God's sanctified people. For this the Holy Spirit is given. He is the Father's covenantal promise to the Son. And the Son passed on this promise as a covenant to us so that we can claim it from God the Father because the Spirit is the one to realize God's great plan of victorious mighty salvation 
we want to spend some time to clarify some key aspects of the person of the Holy Spirit and of the way he works. We will not be able to do everything at this point in time. Now we said before concerning Jesus, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We now want to say there is no other way in which this can be realized other than by the Holy Spirit, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The spirit is here to work on behalf of Jesus, to represent him and his work. And the better we understand the person and the work of the spirit, the more we shall be in a position to allow the spirit to do the work for which he has been sent, the work that he must do in us and then through us. That is the way God wants to work through his people, but by his spirit. There is far too much ignorance about the spirit. However, in some instances, it is sad to say there is too much familiarity and arrogance concerning the Spirit and His work. In other instances, there are people and churches so self-assured that they continue in their own abilities as if they do not have any need of the Spirit at all to enable them and to guide them let alone to prepare them for the work that they must do. What is not truly done by the Spirit of God, this Spirit of holiness, is done in the flesh, no matter how good it may seem, and that is not acceptable to God. The carnal flesh cannot please God. Therefore, let us look at what Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit. Firstly, note, He is the Eternal Spirit. He's called the Eternal Spirit, by the way, in Hebrews 9, verse 14. He has always been and always will be. He is God. And in the history that is covered by the Scripture, we find him operational already in Genesis 1 verse 2. We read there, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we know that the place then was without form and there was darkness all around. As he moved over this formless, ugly, dead mess, he brought shape, he brought light, he brought life, he brought beauty. And this is what he does today still in lives of sinners in darkness. Take courage concerning the one maybe in your family or of your friends so spoiled by Satan and sin that it seems there's no hope for them. Keep on praying. The Lord says, by my spirit, as the spirit is outpoured and it broods over people, we will see miracles done again by him, bringing light, bringing shape, bringing life, bringing beauty to lives that are spoilt by Satan. 
the Holy Spirit is the one that led the Israelites through the desert. We see this in the picture of the cloud by day and the fire by night. There's more to be said about it, but enough that he led them. And as he led them, he brought them eventually to Canaan and gave them that land that was flowing with milk and honey. The Holy Spirit wants to do the same for you and me. He leads us through this desert. This life is spiritually a desert. He leads us through this and then brings us to our Canaan of victory, the outpouring of the Spirit, living in, in victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow Him to work mightily in your life. Now we know that the Holy Spirit breathed on some about 40 people spread over a period of probably 1,500 or more, maybe up to 2,000 years, to write the Word of God. Peter tells us that the Spirit of Christ was moving on them. He breathed the, spirit, the Scriptures. The Spirit is the author of the Word of God, and He used human beings to write it. The Spirit still wants to use human beings to perform the will of God. The scripture is written, it's complete, but he is the author. And as the author, he is the one who can explain to you really what was in his mind when he inspired the people to write what is written in this holy scripture that we have. Therefore, look to the Holy Spirit to guide you and look to him to make real in you the promises made and give you faith to believe those promises. Trust him to give you strength to live up to the high standards that are given there in the Bible and remind yourself again, it is not by might or power, it's not by your learning, it's not by your great resolve, it is by the Spirit of the Lord you'll be able to live up to those standards. Learn to trust Him. Learn to look to Him for the guidance that you need as you turn to Scripture, that He will make Scripture alive to you. In the New Testament, we see the distinct revelation of the divine Trinity. Now, you know, we see this really or already at the time of the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what do we see? Here is the Son of God, the Father, conceived in a pure womb by the Holy Spirit. So you have Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, immediately, this brings to us a new truth introduced into the whole concept of the Holy Spirit. The Son of God can only be made a reality in a pure life by the mysterious, sovereign, powerful working of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. The Son of God can only be made a reality in a pure life by the mysterious, sovereign, 
powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Trinity is more clearly seen at the time of the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. There, the Son is being baptized, heavens open and the Spirit comes down and the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then there is another new reality concerning the Holy Spirit. He who came in the Old Testament, he came upon people, for instance, like Samson, Gideon, David, and under the prophets for some very special purposes to do a work. And then he withdrew again. It was he who was, as Jesus said, with the disciples. But now, after Jesus' crucifixion and glory in heaven is outpoured and now is a new reality, he comes to live and remain within God's own people. Not just to come upon them and withdraw, but to remain in them a living reality. This is the secret to the holy, dynamic Christ life to be made real in the life of those who are truly born again. And you can only be born again by the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts the sinner of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He brings to bear upon the innermost being the great claims of God upon the life. He causes divine light of Scripture to really beam to the one inquiring or being counseled. And he makes it clear to the seeking soul. He then generates faith within all that is being done by the Holy Spirit. Faith within the Word of God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in His all-sufficient sacrifice. And when Christ is, revealed, is received as Savior, it is then that the Holy Spirit comes to live within that person and make the Christ life real. This is this new introduction that we have concerning the Holy Spirit. This life of God, of the Son of God, can only be made real in the life of a human being by the Holy Spirit, but that one must first be cleansed. And that is why he enters after there is confession of sins, repentance and confession and turning to the Lord as, a, as the Savior of the soul. Then, when faith arises and receives Jesus as Savior, he comes and he gives assurance assurance of salvation, the Spirit Himself testifying with our spirit that we have received Jesus and that we are children of God. You need to have that deep, quiet assurance 
of the Holy Spirit that you are a child of God. No one can pronounce you a child of God. No one does dare do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. No pastor, no priest, no cardinal, no pope, nobody can do that other than the Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? God's word tells us over in Romans chapter 8 that if anybody does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to the Lord Jesus. This is so vital. It is critically important that you have the assurance of the Holy Spirit confirming deep within you to your spirit. You're a child of God. Now, important. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is as as much a person as you and I are persons. Maybe we should say he is much more of a person because he is a perfect person. Now, this is quite contrary to the Jehovah Witnesses who don't want to accept him as a person and do not accept the essential divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the Trinity. We believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, as we said, is a person. He's not a vague power, a certain strength of influence, Uh, Although he does exercise power, he does influence people, but he is not a power. He is a person. He's not a wind, a breath, a vapor, or a refreshing, or any such thing. He is a person. He is a person, God's word tells us, he can be lied to, like Ananias and Sapphira did. He can be grieved. He can be made sorrowful. He can be resisted. We read that he can be lied to. We'll touch on this again. He speaks. He's a person. In Acts chapter 13, we read that he said, Separate unto me, Barnabas and Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Now, Jesus spoke of the Spirit spirit as a person. And he said, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. He will take of mine and show it to you. Now, that's a person in wonderful, glorious operation. And that is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and mine, to make Jesus real in your life. Therefore, when the Spirit entered into you at the rebirth, uh, he came into you in all his fullness, the fullness of who he is as a person. As much as you have not left half of your personality outside when you came into your home, so he did not leave half of his personality or his faculties outside. He is in you with all of his faculties. You cannot have more of the Spirit, but the Spirit must have more of you, and that is the secret. He is almighty, all wise. He is God. 
He's absolutely sovereign. He can do anything. But for us, for our salvation, his great work is to glorify Christ. And for your salvation, he has nothing to give you other than what he takes out of the Lord Jesus Christ. He glorifies Christ. And if there's any spirit or person that does not glorify Jesus, that person or spirit is not of our Lord himself. The Holy Spirit is the spirit that glorifies Christ. How critical it is that we have important relationship with him. Do not resist him. Do not quench him. Do not grieve him. Do not lie to him by making promises, particularly on a Sunday when you sing a dedicatory hymn and then on Monday you've forgotten it again. Be reminded, he is the Holy Spirit. He is most holy. We walk on holy ground. How reverently we must be as we deal with the matters of the Holy God. Solemn warning here. There are those who breathe the Spirit of God across the congregation. Only Jesus can. Those preachers who do that, they are proud, they're presumptuous, they are ignorant, they are arrogant. I have no hesitation about saying this. Switch off your TV when they are doing that. Reject that meeting. You are busy with a false prophet. Don't be misled. Finally, the Holy Spirit was purchased at Calvary. And he will always take you back to Calvary. He's not only the spirit of Pentecost. He's the spirit of Calvary. He will always take you back there for cleansing, for surrendering, and for you to to know the sovereign claims of God on your life. He will not work in you and through you unless he can make Calvary and the, the work done on Calvary a reality in you. The blood must cleanse. The Holy Spirit will not go where the blood has not been applied for cleansing. It is critical that we understand this. It is the Holy Spirit who makes Calvary's death a reality in our life. He kills off in us this old, powerful, sinful nature with which we are born. And maybe next time we can speak more about this. But let us remind ourselves again, the Lord says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So shall we ourselves just bow down to the Lord again today, praise him for the Holy Spirit. Say, oh Lord, I don't want to grieve your spirit. I don't want to resist your spirit. I don't want to work against your spirit and quench where he is working, quench that fire. Oh Lord, I don't want to lie to your Holy Spirit and make wrong promises that I'm not going to keep. I want to walk in the Spirit. Help me, I want to be filled with the Spirit. May the Lord bless you, be with you, undertake for you. Let's have a brief prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Your word is still by my Spirit. Let us remember this. Help us to embrace this. Thank you for the, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be doers of the word with 657 AM, Sounds of Life. On that note, we say thank you. Thank you so much for listening to God be the glory. Have yourself a beautiful and a great night, even further. We are here 24 hours a day with the message of hope, 
Faith and Love on 657 AM. that tune you know that you know that it's time for elevated with myself Jenna Lee belong right here on radio pulpit and radio k pulpit good day and thank you for allowing me into your home into your car into your iphone into yours Android, wherever you're listening to me from, because as you know, these days there are more than one way to listen to Christian programming that impacts you, that helps you, that motivates you, that elevates you. You can listen to us via 657 AM if it's Radio Pulpit. You can listen to us on DSTV Audio Channel 882, Open View 607, and the latest, freshest way is to go to our website, brand new website, radiopulpit.co.za. It was launched during the week. And if you go to the Listen Live button there, you can catch some crystal clear sound of Radio Pulpit straight from your device. So it doesn't matter where you're listening to me from, what the medium is, the point is, we have a divine appointment today. 